And actually, I'm going to put this down in my notes because I do have this written technically as over slash under because people will never know that we just had to restart this because you tried to correct me for something I wasn't wrong about. <laughs> so give me the over slash under on. So once once things get back to normal or whatever uh, normal kind of the new normal is, even though that's a very tired phrase now, that some uh, some hipster bar in the mission uh, makes a Lysol or bleach themed cocktail. Mm. Because I feel like somehow, even though we've only we we last spoke a week ago um, through the internet, that I don't think um, inject yourself with uh, with Bleachgate had happened yet. I think that was last <laughs> Thursday. So that yeah, that's come since the last time Six we years spoke. Ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really feel like that's probably going to happen. Yeah, I would take the is taking the over. Me does that mean that I think it's going to happen? Actually, can I, can I, can we put a pin on that or take a quick side rail? Not like that's ever not happened before. Sure. I, one, I got to uninstall the ESPN app because I so don't care about the, the football draft. I've, not, I've been thinking, yeah, I've been thinking about temporarily disabling bleacher report notifications because literally 95% of what comes through there now, I'm like, I, I just don't care about any of this stuff. Yeah, if I ever get like a UFC or MMA push notification, I want to just unsubscribe from the internet. But yeah, so but the, actually, that's that's a, a decent thread where I've I have never found a good sports app. Like ESPN used to be that, but now the ESPN app is super super bloated with everything, and they're always pushing ESPN Plus on you and whatever they happen to have exclusive rights to, and it's just like a bad score checking app. And then for a while, Bleacher Report kind of filled that for me, but then I don't know. It got kind of it got kind of iffy too. And now there's no sports, so I can just I can just bend the whole thing. Bleacher Report's good, except for the social part of it's a little too much for me. And like like the the game of zones and like all that stuff, I just I don't. I don't really care about any of that. That stuff I ignore, but I do like their kind of like emoji heavy push notification approach. Like I, I, I like the way they make that kind of stuff fun. But yeah, I totally just in, uh, do not look at the because they have like feeds for each team where they kind of curate just like random stuff that's happening on social media related to a team. I very much um, just nope out of that real fast. Right. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so um, yeah, in the over and under thing, that's one other thing where. Because Yahoo Sports was a um, like a runner up for me in terms of being a pretty decent sports app, but I automatically have like I don't and I don't know if this is like a prudish or nonsensical version, but I really don't like sports apps that show betting odds front and center. Is that weird? It's becoming more common. Yeah, I don't like that at all. Like, well, just why? I like I if there was a probability predictor of who's going to win, yes. But if there if there's always this like betting line and like minus thirteen, and I don't know what that means on the um the L A football Rams or whatever, like I, I don't I don't want that. It is weird given that sports gambling still not technically legal in most states. So yeah, the showing that now seems weird as we move towards a future where sports gambling's largely legal i think that that'll become less weird yeah um so a couple of other things okay so i've got a couple of follow-up things and these are specifically re- related to um mistakes or issues from from last week's episode we don't we don't make mistakes here i take umbrage to that mm, okay uh, mistakes or omissions 
we'll we'll we'll, we'll get started there. So do you want yeah, we the, don't we don't do either. Do you want the one that uh requires visual aids or the one without first? You know, given how well visual aids play in a podcast, let's start with that. Okay. Well, this will actually, we'll have to fill some time while this uploads over Slack because it always <laughs> takes a fucking year. And, you know, 60% of the time doesn't actually work. I, I, we've, yeah. we've covered this. Yeah. So it's chugging along. In the, in the meantime, I will actually take this moment to have a shout out to, remember when I was talking about when like work from home really got going and there was the shelter in place thing where I talked about my Comcast connection would just twice a day, like around 1130 and like four o'clock would just die. Oh, yeah. How's that been going? They silently fixed that. Like, Comcast has been rock solid recently. That only lasted, like, two weeks. I've seen I've seen them around, even our neighborhood, which actually hasn't had any trouble. Um, and I actually um, recently made some changes with um, our uh, monthly subscription. So I called them this last week. Mm -hmm. No whole time. Talked to two just incredibly friendly people. And it turns out that my internet speed recently increased for no additional charge. So it's fantastic. Nice. Yeah. All right. So going back to the to the to the the mistakes or the omissions. So you were the one who actually last week made sure we because I was going to omit it. Uh, almost forgot about Better Call Saul, right? Which had its uh, season finale, not series finale, last weekend or last week. But you left out literally the most important plot point in the episode. Yeah, I remember when this happened, thinking that it was it was pretty humorous. But I I would put the onerous of um, forgetting about the onus, well, whatever. <laughs> the onerous. Um, I I would I would put the onus on you as well mm, for having forgotten show this. Up. <laughs> um, you're you're the, you're the one signed the signs the checks. No, that's uh, that that's President Trump that signs the checks, not me. Mm -hmm. Wait, what was what was the quote? Uh, I don't take responsibility at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is that your party line right now? Or you, I think you, he actually, you really want to co-sign that? I think he actually just kind of did that again. It, yeah, he did do that again when he was asked about the his bleach comment. He goes, "Yeah, no, I don't. I don't take responsibility for for people." No, no, he um, he, he said he was being sarcastic and trolling the media because you know you ble you drink bleach to own the libs. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so, so Franks, um, Franks, yeah. The, um, so. Um, there is a car given to, I guess this guy's like the head head cartel guy, right? I don't, I don't really remember if he's from Breaking Bad or not. He is. And you remember there was that one scene where, um, uh, Fring and sorry, spoiler alert for Breaking Bad. Fring poisons a thing of like tequila or something. Yeah. And everybody just kind of stops being alive for a bit and then uh but he survives so i don't know his the character's name i believe is don Aladio or something like that yeah i don't know if right. he's a salamanca or if he's above them i i got the impression he was like the head guy and and salamanca um tony dalton's character he treated him as being sort of at least above him oh totally yeah yeah yeah. Well, because because uh, Lalo is under uh, 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 hotel bell guy, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's his official character name. <laughs> so, so anyway, so yeah, so he, so Salamaka gifts uh, a car to the head cartel guy, 
as a way of basically being like, hey, sorry, I got arrested and we had to spend seven million bucks to uh, get me bailed out. Well, also to and... pay for a story. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, and this car. So it's it's funny. So f- the concept of a frunk, you know, has become sort of better known uh, with uh, Teslas and kind of EVs at large now. Mm-hmm. But it's actually also a feature of like high-end sports cars. Yeah, like mid-engine and rear-engine cars kind of that's you you lose space in the boot as the Brexit people would say, <laughs> but you you uh, you gain it in, in in the front. Remember when Brexit was like the biggest the biggest story in Europe and across the world? A lot of times I remember, do you remember we we went and saw uh you introduced me to the 538 podcast in the form of a live taping? Yeah. In San Francisco? Again, how long is it going to be before performances are a thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's the night that Brexit happened, and then and Jody was very was very shocked. Nate was giving like live updates while on stage. I, I absolutely remember that. He probably had the betting odds in the Scottish teens in his ESPN app. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that was um, oh yeah. So wait, what, why are we talking about Brexit? Oh yeah, so Frunks somehow. I don't know how we got to here, but yes. So mid-engine, mid-engine cars and Teslas have frunks. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. So all um, it's it's not copyright infringement for me to put this picture in the show notes. I don't think so. It's just it's a it's a screenshot from my phone of the TiVo app, which took a while to get because TiVo stream is really unreliable. Yeah. Okay. Well, it'll be it'll be in the notes. <laughs> what are they gonna do? Yeah. yeah. Come, come AMC after. had an ad that said uh, they had they had their own COVID ad that said uh, Saul good, and it just had Kim and Jimmy clinking glasses. So I, I don't think they're litigious at all. So, <laughs> all right. Anyway, so in the pictures, uh, say so yeah, uh, Lalo is giving Don Eladio a um, I don't know if it's a Ferrari or something, but it's some type of high end uh, mid engine car um, that has a uh, where he says that the trunk is in the front, and then he the erratic and kind of menacing Don Eladio says it's a quote-unquote frunk and it, it was it was fun and I, I I laughed out loud when when that scene happened yeah that was pretty good all right uh and then attack or not attack but uh omission two of two last week right before the show I went for a run and I was having an issue with my power beats Mm. And only oh, one of the more yeah, yeah, and, you, yeah. and there was some type of story that I was promised or some type of anecdote related to this and I remembered it immediately after we stopped recording and then I put it in my notes. So what was your story? And I, follow up, they work fine. I just maybe didn't put them in the case right and I went for a run and they're fine. I also had, right after we stopped recording, remember that we didn't come back to that. When we were uh, unpeeling the onion or what do we, whatever we do on this show. We tried to um, reassemble the onion after we got four layers out. Yeah, that didn't really work out. So we forgot that topic. So... I was on a trip. I remember when we used to go on those uh, last November, and was going for a run in the morning. And my left Powerbeat earbud was completely dead. Battery was just was dead. The right one was totally full. So I thought that was kind of disconcerting. Um, ended up just going for the run, you know, without using them. Went oh, came well, back to well, my. Put a, so, so you didn't do single channel audio. You were so you just you were just like, nah, never mind. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Went back to the hotel room, put them back into the little charging casing kit, and immediately noticed that the right earbud was charging and the left one was not. 
And I thought, oh, fantastic. And so I kind of, you know, wiggled around the left earbud. And like, if I held it sort of like in a certain position, it would like briefly charge. But the second I let it go, it would stop charging. So I did a quick little Google search and, of course, found a million different Apple support um, forum posts with this exact same issue, most of which involved people having to send their power beats back to Apple. And I thought, oh, fantastic. So, you know, again, I was on a trip, so I didn't, you know, I didn't want to go down that route until I got home. So I got home, um, kind of, um, didn't, I didn't run for a few more days, so I'd kind of forgotten about it, but then came back to him and went, oh yeah, my stupid left power beat, uh, wasn't charging. And so, um, went back into the case, kind of wiggled around the left ear, earbud. And at that point it actually did start charging even without me holding onto it. And I was kind of in that mode for a little while where it just like the left earbud was just sort of, it just wasn't quite as reliable in terms of um, charging when it was in the case. Um, And the other important thing about that too is not only when you put the headphones in the case, do they charge, but that sort of almost like acts as their sort of like off mode basically because you can't really turn them on and off in the traditional sense yeah because they just have those like uh, proximity sensors to see if they're touching something and then they turn on so if, if they detect they're out of the case they basically constantly try to pair with your phone so that would happen sometimes too where if my power beats were in the case or what i thought was in the case and they were nearby my iphone my iphone would connect to them and start streaming audio through them because that left earbud didn't think it was totally fully connected. So anyway, that that went on for a little while. Then I started getting irritated about it again. So then I remembered like, oh yeah, I'm probably going to have to send these into Apple. But then I, I took the left earbud out and there's the two little metal connectors on the bottom of it, mm-hmm. which is how it you know connects to the charging case. One of those was corroded. Had just like a little... I don't know. Just it just had a little something on it. Yeah. So I um I have like a little um like rubber cleaning tip for like I use it for like my AirPods and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um so I use that to clean off the little tip and it's been perfect ever since. So I think I think that was the issue. Got it. Yeah, I totally forgot about it and I just stuck them in the thing and then I didn't remember that it was an issue until I tried going for a run today. Because I've been feeling very guilty and very sedentary and inactive this entire week. Um, and they're fine. So crisis averted. Yeah. I think I think the the issue with mine, and I, I would suspect with a lot of uh, the source of a lot of trouble that I was hearing about online with a similar issue is those little metal connectors, you know, because your power beats are you know getting kind of sweaty and stuff, I think moisture can can cause those those little metal bits to, you know, just have to be sort of cleaned every once in a while and i generally try to make sure like the to wipe them down or just like uh, a tiny bit before putting them in the charging case but maybe yeah one day all right and the last thing before we get into follow-up i took note of a tweet that i didn't understand but i feel like you might so let's send this over because you're watching top chef and i'm not what does this mean (laughs) uh there's a there's a chef uh whose last name is marlarkey on the show like the same as joe biden says like yeah right exactly wow okay and is he not your front is not is he not like the viewer's choice favorite is he a villain or is he just kind of 
you know, I don't follow the like the Top Chef meta scene much. Like I'm not yeah, I watch the show, but then it's not like I don't hop on the internet after and sort of like read, you know, what people's reaction to the episode was. Um so I'm not I'm not real plugged into like what the consensus view on each of the chefs are, but um my guess is that he is a polarizing figure. He's kind of a big personality, mm-hmm. but he hasn't been doing very well. And I think, but I think some of the reason he's hung around is because he is just, he's just a very personable guy or thinks he's a personable guy. So, so he's a Russell Westbrook. Sure. Yeah. There we go. Okay. And now follow up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what, 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 what section of the show was that? My, that would that was just me uh, having a running list of of, of, of grievances to air. Um, off, off book follow up. Uh, yeah, bootleg follow up. Yeah, yeah. All right, so you actually, so this this I'll let you go first. But we have we have two. Uh, so the new um, kind of uh, buzzword in retail recently has been contactless curbside pickup. Right, like literally every promotional email you will get is related to that so we each i think we each have a story here so yeah you have one related to um amazon subsidiary whole foods so i yeah i I put this in follow-up because i think each of at least the last couple of weeks you and i have been talking about our grocery store shopping experiences in Mm -hmm. our current situation and i think we've both concluded that it's just not a very pleasant experience right now um especially compared to grocery shopping before all of this started which i think was something that you and i both enjoyed normally oh that late night tuesday target run Oof. yeah exactly but it's just you know it's it's just it's stressful when the, when you're in there you know keep trying to keep your distance from people and then sort of you know frantically washing your hands when you get home and it's just the, the whole experience is just not not fun on and then on top of that you know because i'm i've been trying to only go once a week you know, I'm filling like four or five bags of stuff and like carrying all that into my car and in the house. It's just, it's not, not super fun. So the lady friend this last week, she was looking at Whole Foods, which she periodically has, um, but has always run into the problem where delivery windows aren't available because, you know, everybody's trying to do that right now. But the thing that she noticed, which I don't know if this is news to you or if I'm just slow on the um, on the take here, but in addition to having food delivered, Whole Foods now in certain locations is offering curbside pickup in basically exactly the same way that Target does, right down to giving you the option of notifying them when you're on your way. And then having them use location services on your phone to know like exactly when you're going to arrive and like literally just be standing there waiting for you uh, when you get there. I've done that before with Target. It's worked great. I did that with this first Whole Foods experience this past week. Same same kind of great experience. You can opt out of that, by the way. Like you you don't have to check in in advance if if you're if you don't want to hand over location services. You can just check in when you arrive and. I presumably wait a minute or two for the person to come out, but, um, but anyway, yeah, Whole Foods essentially has everything available. You just make a list of what you want. Um, when we did it, they had tons of available same day time slots. So like, it wasn't one of those things we had to like do a couple of days in advance or anything. Um, they were even sold out of an item and they, they texted the lady friend and said, Hey, Here's a list of alternatives. Do you want one of these? 
she had said no. And they said, okay, no problem. We'll just, you know, we'll take this off your order. So like overall, just a tremendous experience and a huge time and effort saver with weekly grocery shopping. Uh, so I guess my first question is, did you know about this? Uh, yep. Cause for the most part, I like, even with all the caveats you mentioned about grocery shopping, I still do. I generally don't have a list that's that specific where I kind of just still do want to grocery shop and whole foods, specifically the one in Santa Fe has been good about capping the number. And I also assume this is a statewide thing where they cap the number of people inside. So it's actually not that stressful anymore because they've kind of gotten it down. Um, but yes, the last time I went, I saw tons of signage for, and they advertised it as prime same day pickup, not necessarily a whole foods product, but a prime thing. I found that interesting. Yeah. I, um, I guess I, I know that whole foods delivery is a prime exclusive service. I guess I don't know if this store pickup also requires you to have prime or not. Well, how, how, how the lady from place the order was the whole foods app, the Amazon app or the whole foods website. The the Amazon app, which has a separate Whole, Whole Foods, Foods section, yeah, yeah, okay, that 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 probably implies that it's Prime related, but yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, it just um just awesome, like really really good experience. Um, and I, I sort of started looking into it a little bit more, like when I got home, and so the best that I can tell is that this was something that they began to offer before our current situation, but that. Mm -hmm. In response to it, they've dramatically increased the number of stores that offer it. Because I guess before it was a pretty small number. Sure. And now they actually have a list on their website, which I'll put in the notes, that shows you all the lists that have it. It's still not everywhere. I mean, even places like San Diego appear to not have it. But um, in the in the Bay Area, and it seemed like in LA too, it, it's 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 around. So, yeah, like that's that's the one trend with this where a lot of um a lot of retailers had been experimenting with like so like in-store pickup went mainstream like it it had been trialed beginning like 3 years ago with a lot of retailers but it kind of went mainstream a year ago. And then this whole thing has accelerated a lot of options of like same-day delivery where in a lot of uh, major metro areas even small retailers will like Apple if you say like okay, I, I need to buy a MacBook Pro today, in most major metro areas they will actually um contract out to postmates and will allow you to get a product delivered through them so yeah so there's been a ton of experimentation with ways to get products to customers in different ways and honestly with this whole the covid19 thing best buy was actually one of the first ones to kind of really lean into that because they were deemed to be an essential retailer because they sold work from home equipment but yeah so this this whole thing i think is going to accelerate a lot of adaptations and business model changes not to try to uh, make myself sound like a thought leader or something but yeah i, I think yeah the, a lot of a lot of paradigm shifts are going to happen and I, I think we can triple down on that i i 100 agree like one of the first things i said to the lady friend um when i got home was even when all this is over like i i could totally see myself continuing to use this service through whole foods um you know like you know, don't be creepy, but like this particular location is, is basically on my way home. You know, if I ever start working in my office again, is this, is this a Centerfell or Nevada one? This is a Centerfell. And it also has the benefit of being adjacent to uh, a great dry cleaners and also a Trader Joe's. There you go. Yeah. But I mean, it would be so great to just, you know, 
put in an order the night before or like throughout the day or something. And then just on my way home, swing by and pick it up. Um, I mean, I do, I, I definitely do still enjoy just sort of the walking down aisles and kind of like seeing what's new. So you, you do miss out a little bit on that. I mean, you, you can, to an extent, copy that experience by just sort of browsing through the app. It's, it's not really quite tough. The, it's not quite the same. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, I would say that's the big thing that you miss. Um, but I mean, other than that, there's just not a lot of downside to this. And I feel like, especially now, it just, it kind of feels just like kind of the right way to shop. Yeah. And real briefly, I, I think I actually may have told this story last week, but yeah, the Target thing, it's very, uh, Target has something similar called tra- uh, Target Drive Up. And that's how I use, that's what I use to uh, guarantee some spin drift that I needed. Uh, needed is a strong word, but I'm going to use it. Um, and yeah, it's very similar. Target has a nice thing where, yeah, I actually didn't know about the, hey, let us know when you're on your way. I actually did just opened the app. And then uh, when I was uh, when I was already there and I see like what color car do you have? And I'm like, oh, that's that's a nice touch or that's an easy way to figure that out. And it, it worked just fine. But yeah, I, I think at least for somebody who like, I, like I, I think I think of myself as a reasonably busy person, but I also like still cherish or hopefully will continue to the ability to kind of just walk the aisles, see what's new and just kind of do that kind of thing. Just because I don't know, like maybe I'm just bad at making shopping lists because I do do that, but I just kind of, I was fine that there's stuff that I found that I wanted or needed that wasn't really on my list. And I just, I don't know the formality of kind of like an Amazon style, like invoiceable, like total orders uh, that for groceries, that's probably still a bit of a way away from me. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, I think under normal times I would, I would feel that way a bit more, but, um, in the current climate, I, this is definitely going to become my new, uh, weekly routine. Yeah. I think that was a long way of saying shit's weird. Basically. So, so you're not, you're not going to use this. You're, you'll still, you'll still go in and shop. I think just cause one, like my, my, like I think the bulk of my groceries probably come from Trader Joe's and that's that they're never going to adopt that. Not, not because like they're a stodgy company. It's just like, that's just not really what they do. Like they're not a big data company. Like they don't have like, it's not what they do. Um, yeah. And I, again, I only use it at Target because they were just hard to find items that are like, I kind of don't want to go to a store for, um, something very particular, which again, for me was half and half spindrift. Um, knowing that it's it's that it's like very unlikely to actually be on the shelf just because of the of inventory turnover. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Um all right. Oh yeah, so that was the and also we already tackled the BCS follow up. Oh what is it? did did drive in diner dash already happen? <laughs> Wait, what what is I'm not gonna say the word, I'm not gonna say what that diners, drive ins and dives. So we talked last week about how uh, Guy Fieri is doing um, a special where he is over Zoom talking with some uh, restaurant owners who he had previously met with. And while he's on the Zoom call with them, he is preparing some food that they've shipped to him to prepare. And it's it turns out it's a three-episode special. The first one was on this past Friday, and then the next two are on, I think, over the next couple of Fridays. Or maybe both the next two are on next weekend. Whatever. Some some period of time over the next week or two. And so the first episode was on this last Friday. And it was neat. Um, I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, the only 
The only thing that was a little tough slash sad about it is that I had kind of thought one of the main reasons he was doing it was because he wanted to help promote the fact that these restaurants were, you know, offering takeout and delivery services. Mm -hmm. And it turns out only one of the four that he talked to was actively open and doing that. The other three were just completely closed. So I was kind of like... Still still raises awareness, but yeah, that's that's a bit of a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. But it was it was neat. Um but I, I, I kinda wanted to to bring that up more to hit on a couple of other quick things. One is NBC announced last week that there's going to be a scripted Parks and Rec special, which is airing as we're recording this, uh tomorrow, so Thursday of this week. And as a as a big Parks and Rec fan, I'm I'm excited to see what that is. Um but then the other big topic I wanted to to hit on is this has become a little bit of a, a recurring thing that a lot of the networks are doing. They're kind of doing these like, hey, our actors and hosts and everybody are at home, so we're going to like film these like little one-off specials and things. So another example of this is this, this last Sunday on ABC, Ryan Seacrest did this thing where like a bunch of actors and Disney stars basically did this like big sing-along. That was meant for like you know families and kids and, and everybody. But as I was watching it, and like I may, I may, maybe I'm being too sappy here, but and maybe like something like the Parks and Rec thing tomorrow will just be funny, and I I won't feel the same way. But like as I was watching that Disney sing along special this last weekend, I just sort of kept coming back to like this is yeah this is a really neat idea, but it's it's kind of just a constant reminder of just how kind of just crazy and stressful our current situation is so i i had mixed feelings about it same thing with that triple d episode it was like i kept thinking like man it's such a bummer these restaurants are closed and that guy just can't be out and about like he normally is going to visit them <laughs> it's camaro yeah and the, literally the camaro was at his house parked like that's how the episode started was him and his two sons standing by the camaro and he like he opened with some line that was like hey you know the camaro's parked here at home and it's just like, oh, yeah, that's sad. Real quick, and I'm sure we've covered this in a previous episode, because, of course, what's Guy Fieri's license plate? Oh, is, is it Flavortown? You betcha. It should be. It's, yeah. What's Guy Fieri's Twitter handle? It should be Flavortown. Yep. <laughs> what's um, our national anthem? Flavortown. The, the Triple D theme song. Um, so it, it might be in too sappy in that way. I... I don't think sappy is the right word. I, I like, I agree that it's a total bit like, it's a huge bummer just like where, like, I mean, just going outside, like if, if you, if you had said like two months ago, just like, just literally everybody be wearing masks and just crossing to the other side of the street, just cause somebody's walking by. Like, I mean, a lot's changed really, really, really fast. And I, and I get your concern or not concern, but um, like general observation of kind of how that's, mixing into media and i would actually say that um i kind of feel like it's more like it's not even that it's sad it's kind of been kind of this weird crutch and gimmick for a lot of media things where it's kind of like oh yeah we can't make a normal show so we're going to kind of reduce the f quality expectations way down by leaning into the fact that we're not in the same room i don't know like i i, I get that but also i mean what else are they going to do because like we already have all this other content that's in the can if we want to 
have kind of that escapist thing. So if we want to have media that we believe to be contemporary, it kind of, because this goes to your thing about, you're talking about about uh, Top Chef, where you thought it was interesting that they had the little disclaimer saying that, oh, Ashley, we understand how this seems like it's in really poor taste in, uh, in respect to everything else. And this was filmed like six months ago. That, that was real-time follow-up. Top Chef has actually not been doing that. That was Vegas Price Fight. But continue. I, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> is that another reality? Sh- I don't watch reality TV, man. Thank, thanks for listening to the show. That that was the uh, Food Network one. Yeah, I don't know. There's just so there's so much stuff. No, Top Chef, as far as I've, as far as I can tell, has not acknowledged in any way that like this was filmed prior to all of this. So you're just like, why why are people in going to the Whole Foods without masks in a full size luxury SUV? Just chatting about frivolous foie gras. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not trying to uh, skip ahead to this topic, but um, do we have an agenda? There, <laughs> there actually was sort of a, a little bit of an interesting moment. I think this was two weeks ago on Top Chef. They did a tie-in with that new Trolls movie, and so their quick fire challenge was the the winning chef got two tickets to the world premiere of that movie not at an amc theater and well and, and i and i thought like ooh, that world premiere definitely didn't happen so that's kind of well and then like the whole the whole episode was spent promoting the movie and it's like well ooh, that movie well it like, came out but but also the part I, that I like about that is that it reveals kind of the the dirty secret of hollywood is that everything's made so long beforehand but there's actually somebody with like a gantt chart and like something in, in OmniFocus saying this movie should be coming out at this time. So we're all going to pretend that it's like when uh, like uh, television shows are recording a Christmas episode in July, but everybody's just pretending. Well, that's like that's the thing on all the um, baking championship shows on the Food Network. Every season of that or every um, like, I mean, I guess you call them seasons. It's on, you know, basically like four, three times a year. There's like spring, mm-hmm. Halloween and holiday. It sure as hell isn't filmed during that time. <laughs> well, no. So, yeah, there's definitely some time shifting going on, but there's also always one episode in, in each series where there's a movie tie-in. So, like, whenever it comes <laughs> on, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, this is the movie tie-in episode, um, which, ironically, on the spring championship this year was also that stupid Trolls movie. Um, but, yeah, you're, no, you're totally right where like some probably like intern or somebody has to like sit down and like look at the movie release calendar and be like, Oh, Hey, you know, week six of our episode or of our program aligns with this movie premiere. Mm -hmm. Like let's, let's connect our biz dev people and, and make it happen. And then we all have to, we have to butter up Padma to make sure she's super energetic about talking about this thing. She does not give two shits about. I was just going to say that like the funny thing they do on all the baking championship shows on the food network is They'll say the movie, you know, that they're going to be kind of focusing on. And then they're like, and hey, here, watch this really exciting trailer. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the six or seven contestants left have to like stand there and like awkwardly laugh and smile as this trailer, which, you know, they're they're minutes away from having to start like competing. And they're mm-hmm. like, I really don't care about this troll movie. Well, and also, and, and again, that's the whole thing where. Spoiler alert! I assume you've realized this in Top Chef, like especially like after, like because they still do quick fire challenges, right? They do, yeah. Where all of like those little, um, like in the booth, like they're talking about their experience, like you, you know, that happens at like way after, right? And they just have to pretend, even like sometimes it's even recorded, like after they're voted off. 
I um I mean even even Chopped does that where it's just like single episodes. <gasps> even Chopped. Even Chopped does that. And some sometimes sometimes I'm like looking at the interview and like I'm I'm looking at like the body language and I'm being like, hmm. Oh shit, you're 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 voted off. Yeah. You're not really selling it well. Cause I, I actually am sort of impressed by that because I think pretty much all the all the cooking shows do that it, who have interview segments. They're they're all done at the very end. Like if I was um, on a cooking show, I like I, I like and I lost, I I would be like fuck no, I'm I'm gonna be super surly and mad. Like I got nothing to lose. That's kind of what I'm surprised by is most of the time, like you really can't tell. Like everybody seems, you know, like they're talking with the same type of enthusiasm and everything. Maybe they're like, no, you can't go to the last chance, chance kitchen unless you pretend to be happy. Right, maybe. Because yeah, I, if I was in that position, I just yeah, I'd kind of just a little, part of me be like, "Fuck all you guys, I'm not doing this." Mm-hmm. I demand a recount. All right, um, <laughs> I would have won judges' table <laughs> if it were not for the electoral college. Um, what were we talking about? Yeah, so yeah, so your point. <laughs> okay, so three onions ago, this was talking about the Disney sing along. So yeah, so I, I agree about the whole, it's kind of weird to use this as a technological crutch. And also like that, just like, yeah, it's the escapism thing where it just feels weird to have it that way. But also we have like so much other media in the can to refer back to if we have to, I don't know what the whole, like, is every, do you watch any late night TV shows or like comedy shows with any regularity? Just, you know, just the, the clips that, um friends and twitter demand that i see but I, I don't sit down and um watch full episodes now yeah i mean like a lot of them have kind of like i just i used to watch more of them and i kind of don't really care anymore the only one i watch with any regularity is last week tonight from hbo and then that's actually done a really successful transition and it's kind of embraced the fact that there is no audience anymore um where yeah john oliver is doing pretty solid stuff there but that's been good but kind of like there's there's a lot of others where it's just everybody's doing like because zoom has also entered the cultural zeitgeist in a weird way where that even though nothing is actually zoom like they're just pretending it is and they're also when they do that not really um discussing the technical limitations of why it doesn't look like the way it does i don't know it's just weird so like it it is kind of an interesting thing to see and i get your point of kind of it's a weird reminder that oh yeah you can't leave your house but eh, i don't know all right, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that Parks and Rec thing. Um, actually, do you want to do you want to just talk about the AMC thing real quick? Since we kind of already let's let's bump up the trolls thing because actually I think that exits us out of follow up, and then we'll go into other stuff. Okay. So I have no idea what this movie is. <laughs> so all I heard was there was a bunch of push notifications at the end, something on Tech Meme about Trolls World Tour, which literally had never heard of. I remember there was this movie called Trolls that had that Justin Timberlake song like uh can't stop this feeling that would not go away for a while. <laughs> That's right, the the second half of that sentence was not part of the song title. Can't stop this feeling is the name of the song and it would not go away for a while. But yeah, so I know there was a Trolls movie and I don't know, I don't didn't think that the Trolls toys had a storyline associated with it, but I I think there's nothing that can't stop Dreamworks from trying to make money. So actually is it Dreamworks? Who cares? Uh, uni- universal. Yeah. Whatever. Which is, is that DreamWorks? Who even knows? Yeah. Um, so apparently Trolls World Tour is, did it come out in theaters? Uh, so real time follow up. Yeah. Dream- DreamWorks is universal. Um, 
um i don't i don't know if i don't know if this actually was in theaters like for a minute before everything my got understanding because like the whole thing was that the like the the big um takeaways like on movie twitter was that oh uh in three weeks of rental availability on like vod and um rental platforms it made more money than like three months in movie theaters is what i kept seeing so i assume it did have some type of release and if we were a more professional podcast we would have researched this in beforehand well no so the 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 comparisons you're referring to are comparing it to the first movie because as you also didn't know but i can tell you having (laughs) having uh having been a top chef and spring baking championship viewer that's uh, trolls world tour is a sequel to the hit movie trolls no it's not a prequel got it not not a prequel i don't think it's a prequel so you're not sure can't confirm that i I admittingly try to tune out the movie tie-in whenever that happens on one of the shows i'm watching um so um um that's the comparisons you were seeing was this movie to trolls which that had 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 its full run in traditional movie theaters so i'm on the cnbc article and i don't know why there's a picture of scooby-doo eating nachos with some hippie and i uh, so oh there's a movie called scoob (laughs) you left out the exclamation mark just like you always do with nice Uh, so apparently that's going to be on. So yeah, so that's been the whole thing. So we, we've, we've talked about this before where, and actually this, this goes into another bit of, I don't know if, if this made the, the docket or not, but yeah, just kind of the, the economics of, uh, entertainment are changing and kind of release timelines. Like there's usually the like, Oh yeah, something, if it's successful stays in movie theaters in very wide availability for like three or four weeks, if not longer. And then kind of like maybe lesser availability for three months, it comes out on Blu-ray and, digital download um like six months later and then depending on how valuable that property is it goes to netflix or streaming rights like 18 to 24 months later and that timeline is getting way 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 shortened which goes to um one of the one of the star war movies uh apparently the one that people don't like as much i mean i'm sure it's still a pretty solid movie but apparently it just did not please um the fans Uh, apparently that is arriving on disney plus way earlier than people thought because maybe just disney is one trying to just double down on disney plus subs but maybe thinking that yeah there's probably not that many more people that are going to pay full boat for this movie on um first run like home video release well and and i mean i have to totally um i have to totally um what's what's the phrase i'm looking for here kind of eat crow here um because when we were talking about Onward, which Disney had kind of rushed to Disney Plus, I think one of the things I literally said was like, well, you know, it's it's easy for Disney to do this for a oh, kind yeah. of off off cycle. Because <laughs> like, you know, the, the premier Pixar movie that usually comes out like in the June time frame, like that's when your your toy stories come out. The Mar- if, if you get a March Pixar release, like it, the Good Dinosaur came out on like Thanksgiving or something. Yeah, yeah, like all Pixar stuff has redeeming qualities, but if we're being honest, the, the off-cycle stuff is the bangers is usually... are summer movies. Exactly, and I think I literally said at the time when we were talking about that, like, hey, it's you know Disney's not doing this with like Star Wars. Come on now, 
and a few weeks later life comes not, out it, fast it's not quite the same thing right because star wars had already completed its theatrical run it it came out on disc basically when it was supposed to i think they had bumped that up by a week or two um and it's been out on disc for i don't know like four four six weeks something like that so it's been out a little bit longer because onward was basically out for like two weeks on disc and then came out on disney plus um, no, 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 because Onward got a theatrical release like in February. Well, but a but a very abbreviated one. Its theatrical release got kind of got cut short. Like well, that's the reason why Onward was kind of maybe an easier decision was that like basically like there's no way anybody could watch it. Like the, the there was already like the whole traditional release cycle got nuked. Whereas at least with 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 the Star Wars, like it was it was in it, its movie theater run is done. That's not even on question. But the fact that they're willing to say, "Yeah, we're we don't think we're going to get that much more on like final sale home video," that maybe let's just throw it on here. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think yeah, I mean, I, there's definitely part of it has to be what you brought up earlier, which was this is by no means considered to be like the best Star Wars movie or anything. So I do wonder how much of that has sort of suppressed demand for buying it on demand or on disc. Um, But then the other big factor here too, is that like, even if we were in a much more normal time, like Disney would be finding all kinds of ways to heavily, heavily promote Disney plus like their whole weight would be behind um, Disney plus. And that's become magnified now because Disney plus basically is Disney at this point. Like Disney doesn't really have anything else at the moment. And as we alluded to last week or the week before, there are, there are other lines of business might take some time to come back. What are you talking about? You don't mean we're, we're not, we're not about to take a trip to Disney world to go watch ESPN, uh, the NBA finals on ESPN at Epcot. Uh, well we, on, on TV we might, but not in person now. Like every bit of their business, like the, the sports on TV, um, movie releases, theme parks, like we've we've covered this basically all of it is uh just on on ice right now yeah uh well you know disney on ice is actually a thing i don't know if you knew that it's at sap center a lot um there's there's probably some of those shows um in my future uh (laughs) you will be watching olaf ice skating a lot probably probably um so you know i I i think there are some some other factors here. What I what I think is interesting, or the the most interesting in all of this is um, not really the movies that like came out shortly before the COVID crisis started, or even came out during the COVID crisis, but movies that were going to come out that have been pushed back. So, um, like Wonder Woman is an example of this, where that was a a big release that people were looking forward to. That was like your kind of Memorial Day type big release, and that that's gotten pushed back, I think, to like August or something. Um, and there's a Marvel movie that was supposed to come out around the same time. It's gotten pushed back to like November. Um, and as you know, Carlos, I I I think I'm a little more on the pessimistic side of things, and. <laughs> I just don't like I I would be very very surprised if movie theaters were a thing anytime this calendar year. Like that seems that seems very unlikely to me. And so it, assuming that I'm right, 
I hope I'm not, but assuming that I am. You secretly hope that you're right a little bit. <laughs> I, I I really don't. But so like, so then what starts to happen to those movies? Like, are, are these movie studios just literally going to indefinitely delay them into like 2021, which is then going to bump into that year's schedule? Do they eventually cave and just follow the same type of release model? And then if that's the way things go, does that kind of instant on demand skipping theaters does that start to gain even more momentum like i mean what what if on an even more extreme scale what if the move what if movie theaters aren't open for like another 18 months like i'm i'm just I'm, at what at what point do we really start to push things kind of out of movie theaters so one joke and then some serious answers so we can all just go down to um to Tennessee, and we can just go to the movie theaters there because reopen America. But what I th- have you have you read like some think pieces and some evaluations on kind of what how people think the economy and just how things are going to reshape in the in the next couple of years? More than is probably healthy for me. Yes. No. Like what I actually do, and this is not my original thought, but like what I kind of am co-signing my name to is that. I really think there's just going to be a lot of like businesses that just go away, but not necessarily the industry, but once those smaller companies fail where AMC is already uh, planning for chapter 11 bankruptcy, not, not the one where they're liquidating the company, but the ones where they're able to restructure their debt. They're probably going to have a really bad time soon. And what that means is that as the, all these companies and businesses fail and all these and to broaden it a little bit, like if you think about like restaurants and how many restaurants will not be able to survive two and a half months of shelter in place and stuff like that, where we're just going to have a whole lot of stuff that's basically just owned by gigantic corporations. So I assume that maybe like a Disney kind of maybe hopes for that. And all those things like the, the husk of AMC gets bought by Disney in 12 to 18 months. And then Disney tries to reinvent some new socially distanced movie theater because like no because the movie industry where people where disney is pumping out movies that cost 125 million dollars to make you can't make those bets if you're just hoping that people spend 20 bucks a pop renting it from itunes like you just you can't put the marketing budget behind that and it makes movie viewing not that much of a communal experience because when people have stuff like netflix where everybody has access to the same amount of content and aren't paying per title like you just you you aren't going to get people because like the trolls movie or this kind of thing how much does it cost to rent at home it's like 20 bucks right like it's it's not a $5 rental right like that movies aren't going to go first run movie economics aren't going to change that much where every family is going to be willing to pay that so i assume once things shake out and a bunch of businesses go away and fail we're just going to have a whole lot of shit that's basically just owned by mega corporations and one of those mega corporations with tons of cash on hand is going to be Disney. Like, I don't know. Like I, I, I just, I just worry about people that, that think that everything's like, this is going to be the catalyst that in the same way that there's a lot of people that think, um, <laughs> this, uh, that this whole thing, uh, like in America, like the uh, coronavirus thing is going to be like, it's going to set off some a socialist revolution. No, it's, no, no, it's no, no. I'm I, no, no, no. I'm, I'm not, I'm not taking it that direction. I, I'm not, I'm not saying that the coronavirus is going to kill movie theaters entirely. I'm, I'm totally not saying that. I'm, I'm just suggesting that 
if this goes on for an extended period of time and movie studios are forced to release more and more of their movies in an untraditional way, skipping movie theaters. We, we talked about this before too. Like the, the timing of this just happened to be during the slowest movie theater time of year. Like the, the big premiere movies are not coming out this time of year. But now over the summer and into the fall, we are going to go through the season where the big tentpole movies were supposed to come out. And so studios are going to have a decision to make, which is, you know, do we just further punt these into 2021 and, and figure out that scheduling later? Or do we go ahead and just release them on demand like we have with some of these earlier movies? And all I'm saying is that if they choose to do the latter and start to release more movies on demand and that starts to gain a bit more momentum, I just wonder how much that that changes things. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I so I, I take that point, but I, and I, I, but I actually do think that movie theaters, like to to go on the side that you're kind of distancing yourself from, I just think movie theaters, like in their current current form, will fail. Is we're going to end up with something different, but I think overall, like just on movie Twitter and stuff like that, and the people who are maybe more gung ho on this idea, I just don't think it's going to change that much. But you're you're absolutely right. Where eventually, like so many people are thinking, and we talked about this a couple episodes ago, where are we looking at like a V-shaped recovery or not? Where if things, like if there's long-term social distancing guidelines and stuff that makes large events completely untenable, where like you have all those people that think that reopen the economy means every, like it's a light switch and everything goes back to normal in, in, at the end of May, when that's not going to be the case. Like, yeah, that ends up meaning that these companies that have what they currently see to be half billion dollar assets in terms of like prospective ticket sales, they're going to have to reevaluate how they think they're going to best monetize that content. And they're going to have to try to figure out is digital rentals going to be the best option or are they going to have to try to make something else work? Or does whatever studio owns Fast and Furious 9, which is a good, which is a movie that people like that whole franchise people love, are they going to sit on that indefinitely or are they going to try to figure out how to salvage what they can from it? Well, that, that, that's actually, that's another example of a, of a movie that was, I think, supposed to come out this spring. And, yeah, and that and got that, in that entire case, year. That, yeah, that just got punted into 2021. So that that's actually, it's a really good example where it's like, you know, of the movies that are scheduled to come out the rest of this year, how many just get punted into next year? Not sure movie theaters are a guarantee in 2021 either, but putting that aside for a while uh how many movies go that route versus just being released through this on-demand model mm -hmm. i mean I, I wonder if we end up in a position where maybe more movies have this on-demand option but then like the truly big tentpole movies still come out in a more traditional movie theater setting Maybe, but I'm not really sure you can really change, like, because then the total amount of people that can, that can see it, like, I mean, like, I don't really see how that changes things. Like, it's, it's, it's like, are, are you going to risk your life to watch Fast and Furious 9? Like, like, I, I don't, like, it still seems like the risk and limitations in terms of number of people that can physically experience a movie is the same thing. I, I guess I, I meant more like, you know, in the, the two year plus horizon when things do truly start to go back to normal, like what's the general consensus around how people want to see new movies well actually so let me ask that do you as to to tie this topic up do you think disney will ever start making movies that 
like actual I don't I want to say this as like as, as a as a like a dig but like quality movies that are Disney Plus exclusives I don't really see that unless things when when Disney Plus is eventually 15 or 20 bucks a month maybe I don't know like I feel like I like I if they think they have something that's worth watching I really feel like unless movie the, movie theaters are entirely just out of the question that they will still want that type of release cuz like otherwise just make TV well, I mean, I, I, it, there's also a pretty strong argument that your best ideas probably should be made into TV instead of movies, but that's that's a whole other topic. Uh, okay. <laughs> that's a long word than I thought. All right, um, let's. Okay, we we can do this real real fast. Okay, so HBO Max. We already. I'm so. God, I again, I don't know how this wasn't more than a week ago. So HBO Max is uh, AT&T's um, streaming video service, and there was a promotional thing. And again, this was real. I think a lot of people thought this might be fake or this was like a fan edit or something. But there was a promotional still uh, for HBO Max, which is their kind of commingling of all the, is it Warner Media? Warner Media, yeah. Warner Media and HBO, where the whole premise of this little online ad is where bada bing or sorry, where butta means bing meets, meets bang. Me, meets bang meets bang. Is that what I said? That's fine. So anyway, so it's, so it's mixing a kind of in descending order of quality, um, like real rapidly. Uh, one of allegedly, again, I, I never watched The Sopranos, but like allegedly one of the best uh, television shows of all time. Uh, and then meets Chandler Bing, which I think he, he, he was he was the middle character on Friends. And meets Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory. It's just like I don't know. Like we've we've talked about this of how it kind of sucks that AT and T is going to kind of destroy HBO's brand. I mean, they paid for it; they can do whatever they want with it. But it's kind of a huge bummer where you have like what was the creme de la creme of prestige uh, television content is now just kind of hanging out with a show that people genuinely Americans love. America, a lot of Americans seem to like Big Bang Theory. It is not a funny or a good show, but they tend to enjoy watching it. Um, and your, I think your counterpoint, and you can make this case, is that, well, whether or not you care about quality, this is what people like. Was that kind of your your thesis? Yeah, uh, that, that's <laughs> mischaracterization of the truth. That, yeah, that's that's you. I think kind of putting your framing on top of what <laughs> so, I said. No, no, so you're here. You, you're welcome to give me your framing. So okay, so let let me let me actually put out this disclaimer at first. I I am a self-proclaimed snobby TV viewer. And like what I mean by that is I'm generally not watching network sitcoms. I I want your AMC originals, I want your HBO originals, I want your Netflix originals. I want your I want your kind of your TV that's going to make me think, that's dramatic, that's high production value, chopped. <laughs> That chopped is my little <laughs> chopped is my little um guilty pleasure on the side um <laughs> along with spring baking championship uh and and top chef now that's kind of become that's become yeah, my top weekly... chef is slightly so very slightly more highbrow <laughs> it's it's there's an argument to be made it's not but let's not go down that route. okay um I think there's a lot about top chef that's actually. I don't know. It seems like it's stuck in like 2003, but um, putting that aside, I I think 
the majority of TV watching viewers are not are not snobby in the way that I just described myself. And when you have a single graphic that has, I think maybe the wire actually is this way, but so either the number one or number two watched show ever on HBO and the Sopranos friends, which has consistently been the most viewed show on Netflix until it got pulled off at the end of last year. And then uh, Big Bang Theory, which was by far and away, I, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but was, I think, millions of viewers ahead each week of any other comedy on TV. Um, so you've got these three incredibly popular shows, which maybe you and I don't care for, but the you know populace at large does, all on a single platform. I think that's a pretty complex compelling offering and and isn't oh you know i mean i actually i mean so the the argument that you kind of outlined about oh this is you know, kind of dragging down the prestige of netflix I'm hbo not, of um thank you of hbo i'm not sure i i'm not sure it really does because i think a lot of people view friends and big bang theory sort of on the same level as a show like the sopranos not in terms of production or whatever but in terms of popularity these are all these are all up there and this you know warner is the only one that can bring these three together but if we think about it that way then then cbs is the the standard bearer of all entertainment because technically well, it the, is somehow the, number, the most they're the number watched one watch member. network yeah yeah, yeah. but most of it's not good just, be, you, just because it, well, no, just because it speaks in the I guess, and, and this is the point that, again, the follow-out from Upgrade, because uh, that's what the show is, um, like, they've made the point of kind of, when you think of what is an HBO show, you kind of think you know what you're getting, whether it's an HBO comedy or an HBO drama, you kind of know that this is not going to be like an NBC show or that you expect a certain level of um, creative freedom or... Um, like production values and stuff like that, where maybe that's not been consistent across the entire 30 year library of Warner media and Warner. Wasn't that the whole thing of when, um, AT&T started exerting a lot of pressure across HBO and they forced out, uh, Plepler, I think his name is where they're just like, you know, like HBO needs to become Netflix. Like we're not really worried about quality of content. We're worried about quantity. I'm pretty sure that happened. Like, I, like I, I feel like that's kind of where this is a bummer in certain ways where, like, I guess, like, how are they going to rebrand HBO? Like, because if they want to use the HBO name and say this is our media service because they feel like that has brand cachet, how do you say, well, we're still going to keep making highbrow or, um, uh, like, top-tier content? Like, then how are they going to brand that? Because if they want to have like a, the silo on HBO Max for like all the award, like the Emmy bait, like for adults, like how are they going to brand that? Like, like no, no, no shade against like all the stuff that people like. And in the same way that like for Netflix subscriptions, like Netflix paid a ton of money for friends for a while just because like people like watching old episodes of friends, similar stuff for the office, which is now going to be Peacock exclusive. Is that accurate? Right. Yeah, like I mean, like it, it it totally makes sense, but I, I just I uh, my the big bummer for me is that like, how are they going to differentiate the stuff that made HBO kind of synonymous with great stories and quality for the past fifteen years? 
Well, so maybe this is a good segue into the second thing I wanted to talk about with HBO Max, which is I haven't been following it super closely. So I, I had made the, I guess, bad assumption that HBO Max was essentially just the new HBO. Um, but uh, with things like, so I, I'm, I'm an HBO subscriber through Comcast. And this is the same situation that Jason Snell was describing that he's in. It's still not clear if I'm going to get access to HBO Max being an existing HBO subscriber through my cable provider, who's not AT&T. Um, and I, I had assumed all along that that basically like the next time that I opened my HBO Go app after HBO Max launched, that it would basically just redirect me to there. But that's not the case, it sounds like. So HBO kind of is still sort of this like separate thing, but then there's also HBO Max. And so that's where I do kind of agree that the the branding gets weird because are you going to literally have like how on Disney Plus you've got like your Star Wars section and your Pixar section and your National Geographic section? Like, are you going to open HBO Max and it's like, you know, here's here's HBO over here. And then, like, here's, like, everything else. They have to figure that out because, like, otherwise, if if they're still going to make the investment in the amount of content that HBO tends to have made and their shows are not well, but cheap. I think, but I think they've said they're not going to, right? I mean, I think... Wait, have they, have, they, have they basically said that HBO's done? I mean, AT&T's been very explicit about the model that HBO's followed in the past is not the model it's going to follow going forward. That they're going to be focused much more on quantity of programming... Um, I mean, they haven't, they haven't outright said we're just going to make you cheap, <laughs> shitty content now, but I think that's what, I think that's what a lot of people are, con- are concerned with. Oh, uh, I, and I guess my follow-up question, cause you, you actually made a good point of follow <laughs> from upgrade, which is, um, how much is HBO max going to cost? Because I don't like, I don't know how much you're paying. Like I, I, for some reason, I don't know why this is my arrangement, but I actually have HBO now through iTunes for $15 a month. And I think that's basically what it costs through Comcast anyway once your promo rate burns off. So you, I think you automatically get converted over to HBO Max as an HBO Now subscriber. But then how much is HBO Max going to cost if it's HBO plus everything else? Even though, because AT&T is still going to want to, even though I think you're right in that they're going to basically phase out the prestige content, I guess. But like at that point, at least for a little while, they're going to try to convince people it's HBO plus the Warner Media family of products for like plus 30 years of back catalog content. Or doesn't that imply it's worth more? So if they're then competing against Netflix, which I think Netflix just for like the bare bones product is like $12 a month. Disney plus is artificially lowly priced at $7 a month. If HBO already costs 15, do people who have HBO now get a discount or is HBO now going to cost $20 a month? In which case is anybody going to sign up for it? Yeah, I'm trying in real time here. I'm trying to find out how much I pay for HBO a month. I think Comcast which, charges 15 or 17 unless it's That's what I wanted to say too. So like I mean what what is I mean I guess Warner hasn't announced exactly what their plan is, but like I mean surely it's not like well pay 15 bucks to Comcast and then pay us an additional $15 because Otherwise, why wouldn't I just cancel what I have through Comcast and then just sign up with Warner directly? 
Yeah, like I'm, I'm not sure AT and T cares because like if because they're gonna be some funky, weird, sketchy bundle deals. If you're an AT and T Uverse or AT whatever the f- uh, five different video products AT and T has, like they'll they'll figure out a way to bundle it for you or, or put that in there. Or um, they don't really care how you subscribe if you're somebody else because they probably see those legacy um, MSO subs as not being worth it anymore. Well, but don't they still get a lot of money from like the Comcasts of the world? And wouldn't there be an incentive to, uh, you know, keep that relationship? Yeah, but 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 it, but if they're now doing kind of a global distribution thing, maybe they just feel that, or maybe that, like I mean, it kind of makes sense that they would not want to have to fight. Not to make it like a military analogy, but like to like fight like thirty different wars with like weird like regional MSOs. And instead, just kind of brand it as this nationwide or global product and just get people to sign up because there's already been this demonstrated propensity for people to sign up in the in terms of Disney having 50 million subs in four or five months or Netflix having however God knows how many they have. So, I mean, I, I guess like that's comparing like an existing entrenched business model to what they feel is going to be their next 10 or 20 years in a very, very competitive OTT landscape. Yeah, so I so I I pay Comcast fifteen bucks a month for HBO. Yeah, that's where like that kind of feels like it has to be more, or everybody's somehow going to get a discount on HBO. Well, it it feels like I I did they just have to give me access to HBO Max because if they don't, like I I'm not like I I'm under a a contract with Xfinity, but that doesn't cover. HBO, which is just an add-on on top of that, so that's something I could cancel at any time. Well, but but if if AT and T or Warner are getting your money, they they don't care how they who's collecting it. But I'm but I'm saying that if if Warner if Warner's answer come May whatever whenever HBO Max comes out is hey if you're an HBO subscriber through Comcast and you're paying them fifteen bucks a month, you don't get HBO Max, and if you want HBO Max, you have to just basically sign up with us directly for fifteen bucks. So then. What that basically, I mean, the rational consumer choice at that point would be to then cancel their Xfinity HBO subscription and then move over to a direct relationship with Warner. Mm-hmm. But then that's explicitly cutting out Comcast out mm-hmm. of the equation. And mm-hmm. so now Warner loses that money. And I'm not, I'm not sure they're going to then make up that money with these $15 direct subscriptions on HBO Max. Well, I guess why not? Like, if if somebody was mad about not getting HBO Max and they canceled the subscription, but they were already okay with paying fifteen, they've now cut out a middleman they're paying commission to in the form of of Comcast. So now they get their money. Like, I I don't see how they're any worse off. Like, the customer's vaguely frustrated because they now like they they don't necessarily see why they're they're having to change who they're paying money to. But I don't like in in the end, their whole point would be that hey, you're getting more content for less money. Or the same amount of money. Hmm. Like it's definitely confusing, and it does kind of like I I think your main point, which is a, a very valid one, is that it's weird and risky to alienate an existing distribution model where you have a large amount of subscribers. But again, the the downside is that for a customer is that basically they now start paying somebody else the same amount of money and get more. So the only person that pisses off and disenfranchises is Comcast. Well, but I you don't you don't think that so. The amount of money that Warner gets from me being a $15 subscriber through Comcast 
versus the amount of money they would get from me by being a direct $15 a month subscriber to HBO Max. Like, don't you think they'd be getting more money from the combination of me sending up through Comcast and then Comcast also paying Warner some kind of subsidy? Mm -mm. I mean, the way I view it or the way I assume it works is that like HBO gets $9 of that $15 subscription. You don't think there's some other type of fee that that Comcast has to pay Warner in, in order to offer HBO? Nope. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, then in that case, that that sort of makes sense. But I, I, I would still. I mean, they, they, they've. I guess Warner has been asked the question, like, hey, if you're a non AT and T subscriber who gets Comcast or who gets HBO through your cable provider, like what's the answer going to be for access to HBO Max? And Warner has continued to say, you know, we'll have more details on that later. So I as, I assume that when this comes out, uh, I'm just going to have access, at least for some period of time, but but we'll see. Yeah, and then to round out, the one thing that you just said that I didn't think about, is this really launching in a month? I think it's the end of May, yeah. May, hmm. like May 25th or something? Yeah. Apparently, and, and we're not going to talk about this, but Peacock, apparently that's coming out if you're an Xfinity, like you have their box thing next month, but is not going to have No, I think it's, it's already out. I think it was out April 15th if you have an X, X1 box. Or it will not be available to everybody else for like three months or something for a while. Which they brought up on Upgrade it was supposed to coincide with the Olympics, which, you know, are are not happening. So, oh, it's because um, everything was supposed to take place in a movie theater. <laughs> uh, uh, all right good job uh all right we have a bunch of stuff we need to table for next week i, I don't want to lose a lot of this but yeah we've yeah, well, move on to chef I, we, specials. we've got our we've got our lost carryover from the prior week so we'll we'll bring those over um my my chef specials short and sweet i've already talked about it the grocery pickup from whole foods it's going to completely <laughs> change my my weekly grocery flow at at least for you know the next while um which is a a huge stress reliever off of me so um yeah great service cool um yeah somehow i'm always taken aback and shocked when this happens um it's going to be something we're going to talk about on a future episode but my pick is going to be a service called otter dot ai are you familiar with this i am not okay it is a well because they've actually gotten a lot of press because they are now they have some partnership with with zoom where you can auto transcribe meetings but basically it's a service that uh i think they give you like an hour or two hours free a month and it's uh you get um six thousand minutes if you sign up for ten dollars a month basically it is a very 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 effective and reliable um uh, speech to text service where you can funnel content into it and then get pretty accurate machine generated transcriptions that are very easy to correct and edit and identify speakers um, after the fact. And I have actually uh, uploaded all of our podcast archive into it that is now entirely searchable. And it is surprisingly accurate, even with all the weird specific stuff that we talk about. Hmm. So that is something we need to table for another time, but interesting product. Um, and it's very reasonably priced. It's 10 bucks a month if you want to do a substantial amount of audio through it. But otherwise, um, free to try. And um, even if you ever like just do like voice dictated notes or something, 
um, or want to throw some median uh, meeting audio into it. It's pretty reliable and pretty, pretty solid. So um, one and a half thumbs up. I know there's always been a strong demand for services like this, but it, it seems like just a, a crazy hard problem to solve. So, and that's the thing where like, uh, cause I think, uh, Jason Snell and actually Mike Isaac has talked about this too, where if you have like, um, an interview with somebody like transcription services where it's professional and, oh yeah, Jason does this for the, um, this is Tim, like conference calls things where he paid a service like, and you pay by the minute for a human to actually transcribe everything. It's very, very costly. But this is maybe 90% as good, but also much faster and cheaper. So yeah, it's kind of a weird balance. Yeah. 